0: Good morning, brothers. I just wanted to run something by you guys. I'm going to be teaching a, a, a session, maybe two, uh, tomorrow evening, my time, um, on the kingdom. And so uh, this isn't necessarily a homework assignment or anything, but for those who would rejoice at this kind of a thing, I just wanted to to hear, uh, not hear necessarily, but you could just put the references down. Um, for maybe like your top five, maybe even favorite or just top first five that come to your mind, uh, verses or passages um, that uh, prophesy of the Messianic Kingdom or that uh, describe the Messianic Kingdom in the Old Testament.
1: Ready? Go. Ezekiel 37, for sure. Uh, the the two sticks in the hand of the Lord in the second half of the chapter is one that's really good. Um, Zechariah 14, speaking of him being Lord over all, the only one. Um, uh, Micah 4 ends with him saying uh, he'll forever be there in Zion. um I love Amos 9, where it speaks about the reaper overtaking the um, the planter, and forever they're planted in the the breach in the house of David is restored, the the tabernacle or the the tent of David, dynasty of David restored. So Amos 9, Micah 4, Ezekiel 37, Zechariah 14, Isaiah 16.5 is another good one. Uh, A throne will be established in righteousness and he'll be prompt in it'll be established in mercy and he'll be prompt in righteousness and justice. Let's see.
2: Um, I think the classic, of course, to start with is second Samuel seven, maybe you're already going to hit that, Matt, but um, I definitely start there. Second Samuel seven. Then another classic, of course, is Isaiah nine. I'm kind of mentioning a bunch of the ones that Jeremy didn't mention. Um but all of the ones that Jeremy did mention are awesome. Oh my gosh, man, really good. Um let's see. So 2 Samuel seven, Isaiah 9. Um, I'd say I mean for sure the other classics in Daniel two and Daniel seven. Uh and then just one of my personal favorites is Psalm seventy two. Oh, just an awesome Psalm. Um I mean I guess those are kind of more the obvious ones. Um but yeah, run with those, man. Hey bro. Um I uh you know, I think probably the most relevant ones in my mind, you know, I'm not going to give you five, but uh, most relevant ones, I think, to the discussion are the ones that most directly affect the development of the phrase, the kingdom of God, by the time it reaches, you know, the New Testament. And, uh, so, especially since, I don't know if I've talked to any of you guys about this, but I, but I spent, like, you know, better part of a year um you know studying and um and dialoguing back back and forth with different uh scholars and seminary professors and Greek professors and uh over the 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 phrase um the kingdom of god in the in the New Testament because there's in Greek as you know matt you're diving in there's not a there's not a um, there's not a word of I know you're getting back into it, so you might remember from before that the genitive tense. Doesn't have that uh and, and so the genitive tense can mean of or it can mean from meaning source it comes from God or possession it is of god and um and uh there's a there's a scholar he's a he's a he's a Greek professor in a new testament uh scholar at uh i think he's Southern Baptist theological Seminary. But anyways, he's, he's written a book and several papers arguing that, at least in Matthew, and then I corresponded with him, and he said in the, he believes that in the, in the, um, the other gospels as well, in the parallel accounts, that the phrase, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is, uh, is actually, it's related to Daniel 2, uh, 44, where the God of heaven, will establish a kingdom in the days of those kings when he brings them down. And uh and he thinks it should actually be translated the kingdom from God or the kingdom from heaven, because it's such a direct reference to Daniel two and Daniel seven. So I I would say Daniel two and Daniel seven probably have the most direct impact of how the phrase is developed that we've become familiar with. And just highlighting the fact that it—I it, mean—I mean, depending on your audience, but the fact that uh I don't know how Arabic works, but it's probably closer to that than English, because I know in Spanish it's the same way. Uh, "Reino de Dios" can 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 mean just as easily from God as it can mean it's owned by God. So, those are my thoughts, bros. That those two are key to the development of the idea and. And uh, and the idea uh, being a reference to the kingdom that comes from God and not just to something that belongs to God, a kingdom that belongs to God or a reign that belongs to God, but rather something that he has promised to bring, it comes forth from him. So th- those are my thoughts of the two most impactful on the New Testament idea of the kingdom of God. I
0: hope that's helpful. Hey guys, this is really good I look forward to hearing From other brothers as well um, With the top five um, Or insights as Bill Has um, Provided here I was interested in in hearing too um, You know, how connected The shalom uh, Of the Lord Is with uh, Our blessed hope As well as the kingdom And uh, It's just You know, I definitely want to make the connection, uh, because obviously the kingdom from heaven, from God, um, is, uh, an eschatological reality and, uh, you know, is, is the hope of, of the Jew really. And so, yeah, I mean, just looking at like Isaiah 25 leading into 26, even really clarifying, um, the Lord will establish, uh, peace for us he he's gonna uh israel but um yeah just curious if there's other verses that that might help out with just shaping what the kingdom what the hope is um obviously there's tons of passages day of the lord you know the lord's going to crush the wicked and you know purge the earth of of, uh, wickedness and all of that but um you know maybe more on the like like isaiah twenty five some kind of thing like that would you guys put that together with, you know like blessed hope kingdom um and just how like the nature of the coming kingdom um was was uh established in the Old Testament as the hope and therefore was not needed to be clarified in the New testament uh or redefined obviously um so, anyway, just some thoughts on that, but I'm still interested in anybody's, you know, top five, uh, kingdom, top five, uh, day of the Lord, mostly kingdom, uh, stuff. So, uh, anyway, thanks, uh, so far, and looking forward to more as the Lord provides. Grace to you guys.
3: Yeah,
4: brother Matt. Uh, I don't have too much to add to what the guys have already shared. Um, just, uh, <clears throat> few, uh, just a few thoughts to throw on. Uh, if you wanted, there's, you know, a couple of passages that come to my mind, uh, off the top of my head from the Torah. If you wanted to, um, uh, dive in there, um, you've got, uh, the prophecy concerning the Messiah to Judah, uh, the Messiah through Judah uh, concerning, you know, his scepter being his hand in, uh, Genesis 49 there. Then you also have the, the prophecy of um of uh Balaam in uh numbers 24 uh and it's it's uh just it's royal Im- you know re- related to the royal imagery there and the uh the star that will rise out of Israel uh, and the, there'll be a scepter uh, that will rise out of Israel so you have the the imagery the the kingdom imagery there uh not necessarily the explicit language of kingdom but um, definitely it's there um the uh, related to uh numbers uh twenty four which also could be applied to a number of passages like uh zechariah fourteen and isaiah sixty three just some of the other ones where it just depending on what what uh, particular issues you're addressing um some of the some of the uh, the, key, the the passages that do relate to the, uh, the, the, uh, severity of the Lord in context to the kingdom. Uh, Psalm 149, a lot of those, if you're, you know, are really helpful for addressing already, not yet types of issues. When, um, when you are able to highlight the justice of the coming kingdom and the execution of punishment, I find that particularly helpful, uh, if I'm addressing already, not yet types of issues, uh, Related to re- realized eschatology, you know how. So how much of Psalm 149 is realized now, folks? You know things like that. Um, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be, be sensitive in the way you present th- those ideas. But um, I do find that those types of passages are helpful. Zechari- Zechariah 14 to, uh, uh, and you know, 12 through 14, they're also really. I find those pretty helpful passages because they're so concrete and they're so Jewish. And it's hard to, I mean, it's just so, just the way it's written, it's just hard to wiggle out of, uh, you know, basically the if you don't want to interpret those passages straightforwardly, you just don't read them. You know, that's kind of the way you deal with those. So I think those are really powerful passages as far as um, creating a concrete image in people's minds and also capturing the, um, the historicity of the kingdom, like, no, there's a real mountain that's going to split. The Lord's going to come. There's, you know, all the different dynamics in, in, in that section. Um, and then, you know, all the passages in Isaiah that the guys mentioned, uh, there's just so many there. Uh, you know, I love, you know, all pretty much, it's hard to even know which ones to choose from Isaiah. But uh, Isaiah 2 and uh, even 1, you start talking about the restored judges, and you get... Um, Isaiah four with the, the the shroud of glory and yeah all, and then nine eleven all all those um, and then forty through you know sixty six of course are are uh, powerful uh, sixty six is good um, again related to the end gathering of of Israel but there's so many on that it's it's uh, uh, in context of the kingdom so uh, yeah just to and to reiterate. The Daniel two and the Daniel seven, I think those are always key um, key passages um, for the, especially for the specific language. So, love you guys. Love it. Thank you for your input. Um, uh, it's great
0: stuff. Uh, bless you guys. Grace to you. And uh, looking forward to the next couple hours uh, sitting with these young guys and just discussing the scriptures. We're not going to go through a session, but we're going to just go through a lot of these scriptures that were already mentioned. And uh, I can't wait. Anyway, looking forward to it and looking forward to more conversations on here. This is so good and encouraging um, and really does strengthen the, the teaching uh, ministry here. So grace to you guys. Love you. Peace.
5: Greetings, Matt. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm going to uh, not listen to you, and not give my top five verses, but just something that has been really helpful to me, uh, as I've been, um, talking to people about the kingdom is, is to kind of go through the way the kingdom's talked about through, uh, the Old Testament, like the different aspects of the kingdom. Tim, at I think the first DTN conference, he just did, uh, a short teaching on the, f- the four, or, you know, there's maybe more or whatever, but just kind of simply the four ways the kingdom is talked about. The kingdom of creation, you know, the universal kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Eden, uh, what it was like in the beginning, uh, with God, uh, reigning on the mountain, you know, in the, uh, the mountain in the region of, of Eden with, uh, uh, water flowing, you know, from, from the mountain, that whole idea, then the kingdom of Israel, and then the messianic kingdom. Um, I just, I find that's helpful because in conversations that I have, uh, people, uh, you know, the universal kingdom is, you know, when it talks about God reigning, um, there's just a confusion on that, on God seated at the head of the heavens on, on his throne, uh, you know, sovereign over all creation and just how that is not the, the messianic kingdom, the promise of, Someone's to sit on David's throne forever. Uh, you know the, the forever Messiah, the Anointed One. So, um, so I find that help helpful at some point in the conversation. Just kind of quickly break down uh, the different ways God's reign is described in the Old Testament, and Tim just does a really good job uh, laying that out in a in a simple way. In the conference uh, from a few years back, so. I don't know if you already have that in your notes or if you're already thinking of that, but um, that's been something helpful for me. All right.
1: Bless you. Peace. Brother Matt, I'm thinking of uh, another one in the prophets that's really good, and it connects with uh, Josh's reference of uh, Psalm 72 about um, him being great to the ends of the earth. Uh, Micah 5, when it speaks very clearly of of Jesus uh, going forth, from of old in Bethlehem a ruler coming forth is going forth or from everlasting then it talks about he'll be our peace when the Assyrian afflicts us and uh, he'll be great to the ends of the earth um, in Micah 5 and uh, in closing the chapter he talks about uh, basically um, the, the final crushing of Israel's enemies and uh, so obviously him being great to the ends of the earth is when he shall reign. Of course, um, people um, will have an easy time taking that into a reinterpretation of well, Jesus did come and he does reign, and etc. Like that, but um, Zechariah nine, um, where one verse speaks of Jesus first coming on a donkey. In the next verse, he'll rule from uh, the sea to the great river, Euphrates. Uh, his dominion will be
3: overall. uh Zechariah 9, 9 and 10. Hey, fellas. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, too, Matt. Uh, I, I think one of the things that you're asking about, too, is, uh, I mean, you said that uh, trying, to, trying to understand or what can be put out there to help people see that it didn't need to be, reinterpreted in the New Testament that it didn't need to be expounded on. Um, Maybe maybe something guys that might be helpful too is thinking about some of the passages in the Old Testament that perhaps describe already describe some of the things that people talk about in the uh in the New Testament. So a lot of people say that the New Testament kind of reinterprets or re envisions the kingdom uh, therefore, you know, it, it destroying the, the Jewish hope and showing that it was something different. Um, but it seems to me like there are some scriptures in the Old Testament already, some prophecies that talk about, uh, what uh, how would I put it, a, a separating out, uh, that it's not going to be everyone, because I think that's kind of, you know, some of the things that get talked about in the New Testament or get interpreted into the New Testament based on, The way people look at it is that, well, you know, he's showing that it's not going to be everybody in the kingdom or he's showing that it's spiritual um, or he's showing that, you know, this out of the other, that just various things that that get interpreted out of the New Testament to show that the kingdom is different than what they'll what the Jews expected. And so are there any are there any scriptures that anyone can think about that kind of already fall in line with what Jesus is describing in the parables um such that the parables aren't describing something new but describing something that's already there and uh therefore it reinforcing that the Jewish hope is the same hope um I'm trying to think of some like um yeah you know, uh, is it uh is it Zechariah also that talks about a uh just a remnant uh, something like a third—I can't remember which scripture it is that talks about that. Just you know, about about a third of the, a third of the people being brought back in or being brought back to the land. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there are anything if there's some scriptures that really kind of in, reinforce those kinds of things that that show that the things de, that the things that Jesus was describing in his parables, those things that typically get re—you know—get used to say, oh, he's reinterpreting everything. Is actually found in the Old Testament, found in the in the scriptures in the Old Testament scriptures themselves. So, and like I said, Matt, if, if that's not what you're looking for, if that's something that's kind of out of the way, just let me know. But um, that was kind of one of the things I was thinking about this morning when you when you asked for for continued discussion. You might look at um, Psalm
1: 14 and 53. they the psalms that say the fool has said in his heart there's no god and there's no one that seeks him not one that does good they've all corrupted their ways etc and why do the wicked eat, eat up my people like they eat bread and and then the cry is oh that salvation would come from zion when god restores the people of jacob the people of israel and um so future salvation um is evident in the scriptures and undeserved salvation um, you know, being fit for the kingdom of God in the New Testament, you know, uh, uh, lest your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, um no immorality and idolater, no, no immoral, 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 <laughs> here we go, immoral, idolater, etc. will be fit for the kingdom, Um walking in a manner worthy of the kingdom. You know, the New Testament language of the kingdom, you know, is about a future Salvation, not about some kind of um, some kind of uh, you know one saved all is saved all obviously, uh, but you know the the future idea of salvation, the future kingdom, you know are are linked, and I think those two psalms are are awesome, especially when Paul quotes those psalms in Romans three when he's making the um, declaration that both Jew and Gentile are all under sin that are, are we greater than they. And he walks through um a bunch of passages in the psalms, and then isaiah fifty nine where he's declaring mostly specifically that Gentiles are obviously under sin, but then isaiah fifty nine one of the one of the strongest rebukes that Isaiah makes, just thoroughly talking about the depravity of Israel, of course, ending with uh the the promise of the new covenant where um, the Redeemer will come from Zion, you know, and and take away ungodliness from Jacob, and the Spirit will be in them to their children and their children's children. And the covenant will remain with them, and um, all that you know. Paul quotes uh, a verse from there in Romans three and making the declar- declaration that Jew and Gentile are all under sin. So there's something to be said about a future salvation grid from the Old Testament securing. The obvious that there's a future kingdom coming, um, in the sense that Paul makes it very clear that entering the kingdom has very specific qualifications based on righteousness, not based on um, uh, just uh, just getting in because um, because of anything, but the fact that there's actual a, a genuine repentance and a turning away from and a, and a boasting in the provided salvation only um so persevering to be found worthy of the kingdom you know is the message of the apostles in the new testament so some other ways that you could probably establish a strong old testament understanding of the kingdom is to look at how the apostles were already teaching about a future salvation and you know enduring to the end um it's through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom and so in teaching through some of the new testament passages um, it will strengthen the case for um, if you if you could show people what the apostles were saying about a future salvation. Um, you can link it link it to a future kingdom, and then go back into the Old Testament too, and and then show how all that pointed to um, and connected to what the apostles were continuing mm-hmm. to say, etc. Hey,
0: uh, uh, David, that's good stuff. I mean. <coughs> Address it in order here, Dave. Um, that that's really good. Uh, I was able to look at Tim's notes over the throughout the week and really love that session for sure. And and want to um, to go that direction. Really good idea, Dave. Um, I love it, and I really have been um, loving that teaching throughout the throughout the week. Actually, just thinking, man, it's so clear. Really good. Um, so. Thank you for your labors, Tim, and that, and your uh, input, Dave. That's good stuff. Um, Jeremy, I'm loving all this, uh, what you've been saying. And uh, you've mentioned Micah 4, the end of Micah 4, so now going into Micah 5, that's pretty awesome. Um, I definitely was going to highlight Psalm 72. It's just beautiful. Um, I think it will really be something to um, really bring to the table, and people would be able to rejoice, hopefully, with it, I think. Um, but that's the kind of thing I think that I'm looking for. There's more of Psalm 72, Isaiah 2 type of things, where it's where it's a, a picture of it. Uh, what is what is the hope? What is the kingdom going to be like? And and um, and so then, how, how in the world, in the fear of God, can we spiritualize it away? Can we just say, "Oh yeah, that happened a little bit," or "That's happening in my life," you know? <laughs> I love the uh, salvation being the future, the future idea of the salvation being future, and therefore the kingdom is future. And then how to really tie that into the kingdom is when the kingdom's established, salvation will rule and reign, you know, like that kind of idea um, Verses and, and book and, and uh, you know, chapters that, that go with that would be helpful. Um, and then, uh, David Gregory man, that's good stuff. Reinforcing any kind of parables with Old Testament stuff is gonna be extremely helpful for sure. So anyway, all of that's really helpful and I'm encouraged and looking forward to uh uh to more, but looking forward to diving into this stuff as well.
5: Wow.
0: Hey guys, I just wanted to add too, I forgot about um with what you were saying, Jeremy uh Hebrews nine, twenty eight is pretty sweet. I think I brought it up the week before um so christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him so it's it's the awaiting salvation thing that's in line with what you're talking about so that's awesome stuff that reinforces it as well uh, but the foundations are all there in the in the old testament